Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Believe in the Jaguars right here on the Believe Podcast Network. My name is Phil Smith, a.k.a. Phil the Filipino, and joining me, as always, is the managing editor of the Jaguars Wire, Mr. James Johnson and Jay. Here we are with another post-game episode, and again, with a very familiar feeling, the Jacksonville Jaguars lose to the Houston Texans 27-25. So, Jay, before we go into a full breakdown of the game, uh, how are you doing? Hope you're doing well. And uh, man, let's just get into another Jaguar loss. Yeah, another Jags loss. And, uh, you know, it, it's a little different this year, oddly enough. Uh, we aren't as flustered with the losses this year. And I think it's because we know what's coming up and, um, you know, what kind of a year or pivotal year 2021 could be due to the Jaguars' misfortune this year. So, uh, interestingly enough, also, the Jaguars kept this game, like we said last week, oddly enough, they kept this game interesting, bro, which, I mean, if, you know, most of us do want the team to tank, but at the same time, we want to kind of have it where we have our cake and eat it, where they tank and make it interesting. And these last two games, they've actually done that against the Chargers and the Texans, keeping it uh, very close to the end and giving us some great moments and highlights all throughout the game. So, look, uh, while it was a loss, I don't think, uh, you know, we can complain about the outcomes of the last two weeks. No, you're absolutely right. And you've actually you can actually see that response in the uh, in the fan base uh, on social media where, you know, you, you're keeping it interesting. But ultimately, I think a lot of people find them find themselves on who is on board with the tank. You know, you're finding the tweets that say uh, Josh Lambeau on board with the tank, Jake Luton not on board with the tank. So you can see that on Jaguar Twitter, which is really, really entertaining to keep up with. Uh, But yeah, honestly, if we can get games like this, where again, the team is competitive and they do continue to give us moments where you're excited for the future. And we'll get into a couple of really great performers here in just a moment. You know, I think fans will take that while ultimately being on their way to getting hopefully their next franchise quarterback. But we're going to get into all of that here in just a moment, you guys. Before we begin, just want to remind you, if you are enjoying the show, please head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review. That is one of the best ways you can support the show. It means the world to us, to those of you who have already gone out of your way to do that. Thank you very much. Along with Apple Podcasts, we're also available on Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. Of course, you can find us at Believe.com and at Believe Podcast. You can tweet the show at Believe in Jags Pod. We actually have an active poll going on right now, so go check that out. You can find myself at Phil the Filipino, F-I-L-I-P-I-N-O, and Jay is over at SportsGrind underscore Dawn. Now, again, before we get started, I just want to give a special shout-out to this week's sponsor. Again, BetOnline.ag. The NFL season is in full swing, and while we may not be at the games this year, Jay, we can still get in on the action at Bet Online. Uh, One of my favorite things here, Jay, is 
even though I, I'm not like super into betting, I really like looking at all of the different prop bets. I don't know if you know this, Jay, but the Masters is coming up because they moved it from earlier in the year. And I was taking a look at some of these prop bets, man. Some of them are, is the winner going to be wearing a visor, a hat, or nothing at all? Uh, some of the prop bets are also, is there going to be a playoff? Fun stuff like that. So, you know, even though I don't need any help in terms of uh, blowing my money, Bet Online is a really fun place to do that. From game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any place online. And there is always the online casino as well. It literally never closes. So head to betonline.ag today and then take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Yeah, man, quite familiar with the Masters, as you uh, kind of asked me there, being from Georgia, and it takes place in Augusta. So it's kind of like a big thing here in Georgia, kind of like uh, TPC Sawgrass was when I was in Jacksonville. So, hey, I, I think you should take a couple of those prop bets on uh, on the Masters and shoot me a little bit of money that you owe me. So go ahead, have at it, man. <laughs> Well, you know, maybe we're going to need to uh, take up some of those prop bets so we can get our PlayStation 5 that Believe promised us. But you know what? We're going to leave it at that. Uh, we appreciate you guys over there uh, at the at the head offices. But let's get into this box score here, Jay, because as you mentioned, you know, this was an entertaining game. They were in it from start to finish, and it got even a little – we had a little bit of drama at the end. And you can look no further than – and and they said this on the broadcast. Uh, forgive me if you heard this before. A sixth round draft pick steps in for a starter that gets injured. Jake Luton goes 26 of 38, 304 yards, a touchdown and an interception through the air. And then he also had that 13 yard scramble late in the game as well. And Jay, he started off the game, second play, uh, second throw, <laughs> just an absolute beauty of a pass to DJ Chark, who, of course, also had a big game, bounced back in a huge way, seven catches, 146 yards for wide receiver one. And then this is our weekly shout out as the part of the Robinson hive, Jay, the founders, I feel like of the James Robinson hive, 25 carries 99 yards and a touchdown playing grown man football. Again, even though the team fell short, James Robinson and DJ Chark continue to give you reasons to be optimistic. Of course, LaVisca went out with the hamstring. Of course, we want to keep an eye on that. And he had a little bit of an injury history while he was in college as well. So you do get a little concerned on that end. However, the stars, James Robinson, DJ Chark look great. Chris Conley, uh, I believe maybe in LaVisca's absence, also stepped up seven catches, 52 yards for him as well. So offensively, you know, not that bad, not bad. And this is another game I think where we look at Jay Gruden's play calling and we think, OK, maybe we have something here. And, uh, you know, yeah, like I said, they, they look pretty good. Yeah, I guess I'll start with Chenault for you um, because Ian Rappaport provided an update on him. Um, he uh, and this is according to Rappaport's tweet. Uh, he has a chance to play against the Green Bay Packers, receive good news on his MRI uh, for the hamstring, which he's been dealing with throughout the last few weeks or so, about I would say about three to four weeks, he's been dealing with that. And uh, yeah, so basically, uh, I guess he had an MRI on it. It checked out good. It looks like there's no major structural damage on that and so on and so forth. So uh, this looks like a case where we will see LaVisca in the near future, if not week 10, maybe week 11. Um, as I think we take on the Pittsburgh Steelers after this. So uh, that being said, in terms of uh, Jake Luton, you know, like 
of course, there were some times where you saw the balls that could have been intercepted by the Texans. They left some turnovers on the field. But nonetheless, uh, you can see the fascination that this coaching staff has and, and why they are they are enamored with him. A uh, 6'6 guy over 220 pounds. He got the prototypical size. Again, like I was saying last week, uh, there was a scouting report out there from Lance Zerline of NFL.com. That talked about the size, talked about, you know, the scheme that he was coming from and how transferable it was to the NFL. So you can see uh, why Jay Gruden has been kind of enamored with this young man, calling him, I think, uh, the biggest surprise of the summer uh, back during training camp. So you saw that on display, the beautiful pass you spoke on to DJ Chark. Uh, that was a very, very nice pass, had a lot of zip on it, uh, very accurate, hit him in stride. And DJ Chark pretty much took it on from there. So probably one of the better passes you'll see in the year from the Jaguars in general. Uh, if you even if you include the ones that Garner Minshew has been making. So, uh, you know, don't be surprised if that that connection right there between those two ends up being one of the top 10 Jaguars plays of the year. Uh, when we look back at it, uh, very, very impressive there um, in terms of. Um, Continuing on uh, on Luton, should I say, one thing I uh, spoke with you about before on the podcast is it kind of feels like, and this kind of alludes to our poll as well, it kind of feels like, you know, Luton uh, is fighting for that number two spot next year because, you know, we're thinking, you know, if things keep going the way that they're going, the Jacksonville Jaguars probably won't have uh, any choice but to take a quarterback with a top two selection and when you consider how Fields and Lawrence are playing. So, you know, you if you're the coaching staff next year, you can go back and kind of look back at Luton's film as well as Gardner Minshew's film. And you you might come up with a situation where, you know, you could get rid of one of those guys and keep the other one as your number two. So, you know, it, the more games Luton gets to start and put on his resume, uh, the better of a resume he can make for the next staff if there is a new staff. And, uh, you know, maybe make his case to be a backup quarterback for, you know, the future uh, in 2021, should I say? So, I found that interesting. Um, as you said, I mean, DJ Chart bounced back. You know, we've been talking about his frustration over the past few weeks with Minshew. Uh, you know, I definitely, you know, while he did lose still and the team lost in general, I think he probably is happy with, uh, you know, that bounce back game. This is the first hundred yard game he's had in quite some time. And uh, you know, when he was open, because this has been the issue. This has been charts issue with Gardner Minshew when he was open Luton hit him in the open I'm pretty sure he's happy with that again not happy with the results but happy with being utilized correctly so that's a good thing heading forward you know you're getting Chark a little bit happier than he was in the past and um as for Minshew you know we'll just kind of monitor his situation uh throughout the weeks um as for an update on him it appears according to Doug Marone that it's looking like Jake Luton indeed will start against the Green Bay Packers which we'll talk on later yeah, and I want to kind of expand on what you're talking about in terms of Jake Luton, because if you guys don't know, the poll that we have up right now is it seems like at least one of these quarterbacks will be able to stick around and be the backup for the time being. Now, um, to kind of give you guys a little bit of a spoiler, I, I voted on Jake Luton. So the, the three options, of course, are Minshew, Luton and Mike Glennon. Now, don't get us wrong. You know, this is one game. Of, of Jake Luton and he's never played before so Houston who admittedly is not a very good team both of their wins have come against the Jaguars this year and you know no film and no previous really knowledge of how this guy is going to play however 
you don't need a backup quarterback to come in and, and win you a whole bunch of games. That's not what you want. Can Jake Luton, you know, if he if this appears to be his ceiling, can he come in and occasionally win a game for you? And based off just just the performance that we've seen, the answer would probably be yes. Now, can Minshew do that as well? Yeah. Minshew's ceiling, though, however, Jay, I think we've probably learned is probably six games like right like last year that's probably it now that being said he's been the starter the whole year and we've won one so what does that really tell you about both of these quarterbacks you know but uh, ultimately I, I definitely think like you like you mentioned and like you alluded to uh, only one of these quarterbacks is going to be around and um, I would think that because Minshew has a little bit of he definitely has a lot more tape on him some team would be willing to give up something for him, right? And then you probably don't want your new quarterback to have any kind of distraction like a Gardner Minshew. So you probably take a fourth or a fifth round pick for Gardner Minshew, right? Or do you think it would take something more? No, nah, yeah, the fourth, fifth, sixth, something like that sounds about right for what you would get out of, you know, Minshew if they even cross that bridge. Uh, but I do like the aspect of having somebody, you know, if you're going to take a first round quarterback next year, I do like the aspect of having somebody already groomed like a Minshew, um, like a Jake Luton. And the reason, I, you know, I just get vibes that it might not be Minshew and he might be the one traded is because when you see somebody start the amount of games that Minshew has for the Jacksonville Jaguars, typically when the new starter comes in, uh, the old starter is out. Typically, you don't see a lot of guys who started 16 plus games for a team remain with that team after he's benched if that makes sense um so uh, all of that said though uh, i do like the aspect of you know what these two are building in Minshew and and luton uh therefore you don't have to necessarily put your rookie in right away next year it could be a, uh, a succession plan like uh, what the miami dolphins are doing with Tua attack viola uh basically you know they had a veteran in uh, ryan fitzpatrick they also had josh Josh Rosen at one point in time. I don't know if they still got him or they still have him, should I say. But, you know, they didn't basically throw out the rookie to the wolves, basically. They gave Tua uh, five games or so, five, six games or so, let Fitzpatrick go out there, who wasn't playing terrible, by the way. Uh, but basically, they just based it off of how he looked in practice uh, about week six or five or so. They, you know, they got enough of a confirmation and they liked what they were seeing out of him to where they put him on the field. And now he's starting. So uh, maybe you look at a similar plan, you know, because that seems to be working for the Miami Dolphins right now. You look at a similar plan if you're a new coach for the Jacksonville Jaguars and you just don't throw uh, a guy like um, Justin Fields or Trevor Lawrence to the Wolves. And, you know, you have these guys that are stacking up starts in Jake Luton and Gardner Minshew. Yeah. And of course, we're looking way ahead, you know, but when your team is one and seven, these are the kind of discussions you have to have in order to fill time and create content. So, you know what? You're welcome, you guys. But, uh, Jay, we'll move on to the defensive side of things here uh, really quick. But you didn't really touch on on James Robinson. But in terms of the offensive game ball, uh, I, would, I would probably lead towards Shark since he had a big bounce back game. What do you think? Yeah, you got to give it to Shark because um, he basically had to fight out of a hole, basically. You know, he had, again, he had these games where he didn't have a lot of momentum. And, uh, you know, we, we didn't know at the time, but it was because somewhat because of Gardner Minshew's thumb, uh, he wasn't able to get the ball to him in the, you know, normal fashion that he normally does. So 
you know, like to get momentum after, you know, just being at a low point in the season isn't an easy thing to do as a receiver. So for that reason, I agree with you. Uh, it's definitely fine that uh, we give the game ball to DJ Chark, although, you know, Robinson did do his thing. And uh, Robinson is a guy that, as you said, we're advocates of and we started a Robinson Hive. Uh, we'll probably get some T-shirts going for that. Nobody's still our idea either. That's right, man. I mean, and they they fed him as well. Twenty five carries, which I was really happy to see. And again, just like I, I mentioned before, grown man football, just really excited to see him continue to develop. Uh, I mean, you look at the numbers he's putting up, Jay. He's second to only Clyde Edwards Alaire in a lot of these categories. And it's it, it's just great to see. Um, now, let's move on to, you know, the side of the ball where it's it's just not getting any better here, Jay. And of course, that's the the defensive side of things. Now, uh, kudos out uh, and uh, re recognition goes out to miles Jack for continuing to look like a top five linebacker and, you know, just continuing to prove himself. Uh, but then you got Joe Schobert out there, you know, kind of continuing to struggle. Jay, you and I talked about this before we started recording CJ Henderson looks lost at certain points, man. The whole secondary granted is, is not very good. Um, and, and Sidney Jones had a couple of plays here and here and there. He had a couple of pass breakups. But, you know, C.J. Henderson, you invest a first round, a high first round pick into this guy. And outside of week one, where he gets the interception against Phillip Rivers, has just not looked very good. Uh, the, the frustrating thing, I think, about this game is we finally found ourselves with a consistent pass rush against Deshaun Watson. Um, but he still found ways to get free. And, and you know what? That's just going to happen from time to time with Deshaun Watson. He's an elite talent, 10 carries, 50 yards, just making it look easy out there. Uh, David Johnson did go out early, who did have a big game against Jacksonville earlier on in the season. Uh, but the defense, Jay, I mean, we're, I feel like we've talked about Todd Wash till the cows come home. I mean, is really what else is there to say about what is not working with this defense? Yeah, so the one thing I do want to touch on first is the pass rush that you mentioned, right? Um, this pass rush, the way you put it was that it kind of came to life against Deshaun Watson. But, you know, maybe maybe it's just a thing of where they're just familiar with the Texans and their personnel and what have you. Because if you look back to week five, right, Phil, uh, the pass rush actually had a good game week five as well, if you can recall. You know, they they actually... Um, you know, that game we were talking about the pass rush and the defense actually looking a little better than the offense because remember Gardner Minshew really struggled that game. Little did we know he sustained an injury in that game and they only put up what was it, 14 points against the Texas week five. So, you know, that was a game where we were like, hey, the defense actually looked a little better than the offense. And here we are again, and we see the pass rush come to life again against this unit. And again, like I think it just may be a, a Houston Texans thing. Um, and again, as you mentioned, uh, Deshaun Watson is very elusive. And, uh, you know, that made things harder on the pass rush as well, despite getting back there. Shout outs to Devon Hamilton, too. He was doing some good things in the trenches as well. But, um, yeah, like that just goes to show you how dynamic Deshaun Watson is. Right. You can have a good pass rush against this guy and he's still elusive and he's uh, still a problem to bring down uh, when you get in the backfield. So. In terms of the stats, as you said, man, like Miles Jack, man, he was all over the place. Uh, he is consistently looking like one of the best linebackers in football. And if I can recall, he was graded as the top linebacker in football, at least of last week during the bye week. Um, I'll have to check on that again this week. But PFF has him up there as the top guy um, or had him there at least. And 
you know, it's simply an amazing thing that I watch unfold because I'm a big Miles Jack guy. Again, y'all heard me say this on multiple occasions. Miles Jack is the most versatile player that I've ever evaluated in uh, modern day history since I've been doing this, basically. So not to cut you off either, but while you're on the topic of Miles Jack, there was a moment in the broadcast, I don't know if you remember it or not, where Jay, um, sorry, where Miles Jack was lined up uh, as with Duke Johnson, who was lined up as a receiver, and I can't remember which which uh, broadcaster it was, but he mentioned Deshaun Watson was going to try and exploit that, and I thought to myself, "Go ahead, try and exploit it," because Miles Jack has been that dude, and uh, it just goes back to that story you told about him covering the uh, USC receiver when he was at UCLA. I can't remember the name of that receiver, but I remember thinking, yeah, Nelson Aguilar. And I remember thinking, please, Deshaun Watson, try it because Miles Jack is that dude. Yeah, yeah, he is that dude. I mean, yeah, he struggled at Mike linebacker, but again, like that's a position where, you know, it requires a lot of thinking and this, that, and other. But when you put Miles Jack at a position where he could just read and react and just go knock people out and chase the ball carrier, he's fine, man. And, um, that, that athleticism has been on display ever since they moved him to the weak side linebacker uh, position. Makes you wonder, as Will said, shout outs to Will from the Jags wire as well. Makes you wonder why they took so long to move him back to his natural position. Although I gave up on that argument many, many uh, months ago as to trying to figure that out. But, um, you know, another Todd Wash blunder that we can't figure out. Right. Um, but anyway. He caused a fumble as well. I think uh, Devon Hamilton might have caused a fumble as well, or he either recovered a fumble, one of the two. Uh, but, again, Devon Hamilton keeps showing up. He graded the highest of the team in terms of uh, PFF scores. Shout-outs to him. He's a guy, again, going back to the podcast many, many months ago, a guy that I said would be the biggest surprise or uh, one of the biggest uh, contributors on this team. I'm glad he's holding me to that. Very excited about what he's doing at Nose Tackle and excited about what the future holds for him. As you said, C.J. Henderson continues to struggle. Still, I kind of want to hold my judgment on him until, you know, the Jaguars get a consistent pass rush, which kind of does help a um a, a cornerback when it's consistent. Albeit, as we said, the pass rush was there this game. Uh, but, you know, again, maybe I think it may be a matter of, you know, for him, just getting used to a, a consistent pass rush, which the Jaguars have not been in, until again when they face the Houston Texans. So uh, Joe Schobert continues to struggle. Do not know what the issue is with him, but he's missing tackles, so on and so forth. I do think the penalty he got for late hit on the quarterback, I think that was the quarterback. It might have been Deshaun Watson. I think that was a little ticky-tack. Um, but some interesting things that unfolded. In terms of uh, starters, if I can recall, uh, Josh Jones was benched at least in the beginning of the game uh, for uh, Daniel Thomas. If I can recall, I think he started. And also uh, Doug Costin started in the place of Taven Bryant. And Doug Costin actually has like a Finally. 74 on PFF. He's actually, you know, here's a undra another undrafted kid that came into the class with James Robinson, who actually, if you look at the PFF scores, is actually performing well. So Doug Costin is a name to watch going forward as he may be, uh, you know, taking over that spot for Taven Bryan. Got the start over Taven Bryan. I would like to see more of him, although I do recall I think he left the game early with an injury. We'll check on that and, um, you know, we'll, we'll talk about that throughout the week and look at the injury report. So, yeah, Doug Costin and that combination with him and, and Devon Hamilton can get very interesting 
uh, heading forward. And that'll be something worth watching, uh, watching as we continue um, going forward. But again, you know, the defense, uh, you know, struggled, but at least this time, Phil, they held the team to under 30 points, which, you know, that has been the reoccurring theme is all the losses the Jags have had except this one. They've allowed 30 points or more. So this one, I guess you can argue, uh, was up for grabs in terms of a win, but nonetheless, the Jags came up short. Yeah, they were on the cusp of history. Six games is the record in terms of, and, and I think a record that had stood since like the 60s. So luckily they didn't get that. They didn't extend that streak to seven games and find themselves on the wrong side of history, uh, which is great. But uh, again, Jay, this really, uh, of course, came down to, uh, again, the secondary just not looking great. Uh, and also, I think Deshaun Watson has just kind of hit his groove when he comes to when it comes to playing this game. Of course, this is not the same defense as 2017. He's also not a rookie. He's one of the best quarterbacks in football. So that's going to present itself. And, you know, you just got to wonder how this team is going to attempt to rebuild the defense going forward, having to play against a guy uh, like Deshaun Watson for the next decade or so. Um, but, you know, in terms of offensive defense, uh, you know, defensive side of the ball, of course, the game ball is going to go. Uh, to Miles Jack. I, I was tempted to give it to uh, Josh Allen for finally getting home for the first time in a while. Uh, you know, it's just uh, got to get that guy some help. I, I know for some reason, some of the fan base a- appears to be turning on Josh Allen, but I mean, what do you expect? He's gotten, he went from having unique and Gakwe and Calais Campbell on his line to, you know, nobody, you know, to a rookie in, um, uh, in Caleb on chase on who we're still expecting to, uh, to develop, but uh, you know now he's the guy, and, and, and honestly, you can't do it alone. It was nice to see Todd Wash dial up some of these blitz packages, though. I mean, you see Trey Herndon get a sack, which was nice, uh, but you know, you know, you just got to figure out something uh, on defense there. But the game ball, I think, definitely goes to Miles Jack. Yeah, it goes to Miles Jack. Uh, you although you can put an argument in there for uh, Devon Hamilton, who, like I said, back to back weeks have been has been pretty solid. Um, and, and then on, yeah, on the Josh Allen thing, yeah, um, it's a matter of probably, you know, getting him some consistent help and what have you. And that could be coming in the future. Um, but, you know, I think I want to say about Josh Allen is for the fan base, you know, I mean, everybody's entitled to do what they want. But, uh, you know, I just kind of want to, like, pump the brakes on critiquing him and whatnot, because, like, look, it wasn't that long ago, what, some months ago when we got rid of Leonard Fournette, where he came up to bat for the team and said, it's great to be a Jacksonville Jaguar. Remember that? And everybody was all, you know, on his side and happy and loving on him. And now they can't stand the guy like, you know, that is kind of ticky tack, in my opinion. Like, but it's whatever. Um, You know, we'll we'll see if he can find uh, his groove uh, heading forward and whatnot. But um, not to stray away from the topic at hand, which is Miles Jack. Yeah, man, like Miles Jack is just simply like playing at an all pro level. Like he needs to get all pro uh, all pro votes. And um, all pro nods this year um, when it comes to naming the team. And hopefully he will. But, you know, he does play in a small market. But look, that never stopped Calais Campbell and, um, you know, Jalen Ramsey, albeit those are kind of household names, but it never stopped them. So maybe Miles Jack, you know, being that he is really the standout player on this defense, maybe that will actually help him because he's the most notable name on defense now. And uh, yeah, he's just been playing lights out, man. And, uh, you know, you, you have to wonder when they're going to actually put him in. Uh, again, the most versatile player I have ever evaluated. You got to wonder when they're going to put him in at running backfield like he played at UCLA in his early days. <laughs> I want to see it so bad. 
I want to see it so bad, dude. Even just even as just like a decoy and like a goal line set, like please put him in. Yeah, one play, you know, because we don't want him to get hurt. We we know about his his knee injuries and whatnot. Just one play, throw him out there as a decoy. I mean, Phil, I mean, you've seen the highlights with me as well, because I think I've showed them to you. He was actually a good running back for UCLA. That's what we went for. Yeah, like, so, I mean, I would like to see it for one play, but, you know, I guess that's up to Jay Gruden and company to decide if they want to try that or whatever. I mean, just just an athlete, right? That that's where you see in in college football. You see a guy that's just listed as an athlete, and uh, Miles. That's what Miles Jack is. But uh, again, another great game out of him. Um, and then you know that's pretty much it in terms of breaking down the game here, Jay. The little bit of news I want to get into, and where Josh Lambeau will be shut down for the remainder of the season, which is just wild. You know, of course, you get a little concerned because he misses that extra point early on. But then he boots a 59-yard field goal later on in the game. But come to learn that he has been shut down for the remainder of the year. They have re-signed Algic Rosas to the practice squad, who was on the practice squad a little bit earlier this year. Uh, so, Jay, any news on that in terms of the kicking situation? Is it going to be Rosas going forward? Or is there another guy that they might bring in that we have not either heard about yet or somebody they're going to bring back? I'm assuming it's not going to be Hauschka. <laughs> Yeah, definitely won't be Steven Hauschka, that's for sure. Um, you know, they had uh John Brown on practice squad um before, even before getting roses. So I'm assuming what they're gonna do is upgrade uh John Brown to the I guess <laughs> I watched too much wrestling. I was about to say upgrade him to the main roster, but I mean that's kind of what they're gonna do, you know, promote him to the main roster, if you will. Uh so I think it's gonna be John Brown because he spent the last few weeks on practice squad, he's familiar with the team, so on and so forth. He's probably been practicing with the team, uh, this, that, and the other. So it'll be him. And Dan Roses is kind of your backup option that'll be on practice squad if he gets hurt. In terms of Josh Lambeau, one thing I want to point out too, Phil, and I've kind of been talking about this and, and texting you about this, man. Um, of course, we hope he gets better, um, significantly better. He's a guy, the, one of the, he's an elite kicker. It is what it is. You know, like top two kicker, I think, uh, the kid, uh, I forget his name, that's with the Ravens, is probably the number one kicker. Justin Tucker. Football. Yeah, Justin Tucker. Uh, but if you had a number two, you're probably going to put the Josh. Way. There you go. <laughs> but you're probably going to put Josh Lambeau, who actually Josh Lambeau might be a Texas guy, too. Not necessarily like the University of Texas, but from Texas, if I'm not mistaken. I'll have to research that. But. Uh, yeah, when you look at his past, though, man, like they, you know, they paid him a lot of money two years ago. He just hasn't been healthy. That's concerning. And this is another story for another time. And again, we hope he gets better. But, uh, you know, like when I start doing some mock drafts, I might have to start sliding a kicker in there late, you know, in, in the sixth, seventh round or something, because this is becoming to become concerning. Um, albeit, you know, special teams is such a lost art, I believe, in today's day and age. I've said that a lot of times. Uh, there's not a lot of good special teams play in general if you look lead white. And to move on from Josh Lambeau is just kind of just hard to do because he's such an elite kicker and there's not many of them. But the health is a concern. And if he's not, you know, the best ability is uh, availability at times. And if he's not going to be there for the Jaguars, you know, missing three and four games a year for what they're paying him, uh, you know, this conversation is one that we must have in the future uh, and probably should have next year, you know, when we start doing mock drafts and so on and so forth. 
Yeah, and to answer your question, Jay, Josh Lambeau went to Texas A&M. He was actually on that Johnny Manziel team um, that uh, went in where he won the Heisman Trophy. But I don't hold that against Josh Lambeau for going to Texas A&M as a Texas fan. We all make mistakes, Josh. I get it. But yeah, we definitely hope that he is able to get right because like you said, when he's on, he's definitely one of the best kickers in football. But uh, we'll continue to monitor the situation when it comes to the kickers. We just hope that we don't continue to have this revolving door going forward. Uh, Of course, consistency is a really, really big thing. But we will see what happens. Uh, Jay, that's pretty much it for this episode. We just wanted to crank out a, a quick uh, overview of this past weekend's game, and then we're going to move on to Green Bay. We are looking to get a guest for the Packers episode a little bit later this week, so stay tuned on that. And uh, But, Jay, we're just going to wrap it up here after just, like I said, a, a quick episode. Anything else that they have to look forward to in terms of not only the show, but also over on the Jaguars Wire? Yeah, with it being you know relatively early, we're recording this on a Monday night, November the 9th. Uh, with it being early in the week, you know, we'll still reflect back on the game in terms of the Texans game. Still some stuff I got to pump out in terms of contents, in terms of that. Uh, I might do some takeaways. I might not. But um, we'll continue to look at, you know, uh, some PFF grades from the game, uh, so on and so forth, because it was a good evaluation period, albeit they lost it. It provided us with some quality information uh, heading forward in terms of what we have and, you know, some players that we have to look forward to and new starters coming on the field, as we already mentioned. So we'll do that. Then we'll transition into the Green Bay Packers on the Jaguars wire around Wednesday. Hopefully around Wednesday or Thursday, we'll get on our Packers wire uh, or some Packers guests, as I um, as Phil already alluded to, maybe from the Believe Podcast Network. Uh, go ahead and look into that podcast to see who could potentially be our guests um, in terms of a former player, you could do that all yourself. But, uh, you know, we might reach out to them, have them on and uh, talk some Jaguars Packers because, uh, you know, it looks like it could be an ugly one. But nonetheless, it still could be a good evaluation process for Jake Luton because the Packers are a quality team. And, you know, he can, you know, he could put up some good numbers against that defense and maybe make a case to, as me and Phil kind of alluded to, maybe uh, be the number two of the future. So grand opportunity for him. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much all I got on my ends in terms of the uh, content that we will have on the podcast and on Jaguars Wire. Well, one thing I can say, Jay, before we wrap up, you know, we've seen C.J. Henderson struggle against Keenan Allen and Brandon Cooks and Will Fuller. How do you think he's going to look against Devontae Adams, who is playing next level football right now? Jay, a guy in Devontae Adams, you and I were just trying try, over the moon trying to speak into existence for the Jaguars to take Devontae Adams and now uh, we head up to Green Bay in a game that might get a little bit ugly you guys but again we're going to cover it to the best of our ability and again like you said we're going to try our best to get in a guest to break down that game for you as well uh, before we wrap up again if you are enjoying the show head on over to Apple Podcast leave that five-star review we would really appreciate it we're also available on Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. You can find us at Believe.com and at Believe Podcast. Make sure you're following the show on Twitter at Believe in Jack's Pod. Myself, Phil the Filipino, F-I-L-I-P-I-N-O. Jay over at SportsGrind underscore Don. And don't forget to follow the Jaguars wire for all of the up-to-date Jacksonville Jaguars news. This has been the Believe in the Jaguars podcast right here on the Believe Podcast Network. We believe, do you? We will see you next time, guys.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.